Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Big League Philanthropist podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Berman, and we are back after a short hiatus with another amazing interview. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving break. I know that I certainly relaxed a lot and ate a lot more. Uh, So I am hitting the gym this week trying to get back to my routine. Uh, And we have just a few weeks until Christmas, so uh, it's going to come quick the end of 2019. If you haven't listened to our first four episodes, if you haven't heard uh, Wes or John or Derek or Haran and their incredible stories, please, please, please check them out. Listen to them. They also have some really awesome things going on. John Register had a TED Talk that just came out that we've been sharing on social media. Haran has a fundraiser in Queens for the holidays. Derek's been doing some holiday things and so has Wes for their organization. So if you're not following them, if you're not paying attention or following us on social media, please do. We'll be sure to keep you posted on what everybody's up to. Now, this week, we have Chris Dickerson, former MLB player and founder of Players for the Planet. Uh, Chris played for a number of MLB teams, but more more importantly, uh, before his MLB career, he started Players for the Planet uh, to really support and use his platform to raise awareness for the environment and how we should be taking care of it. Um, He talks about in the interview how this was a cause that was dear to his heart. He grew up in LA in California. His dad was an avid recycler. He saw how smog affected even sports practices after school and really saw the opportunity when he did join the league to create an impact opportunity and create this amazing organization. And now Chris is working with dozens of major leaguers uh, to help them be able to bring environmental awareness and also opportunities to eliminate excess waste, recycle things properly, et cetera, to their communities and to their fans and, and young sports uh, fans and, and, and uh, you know, inspire young people in young teams in those cities to do the same thing. Chris has an awesome story. He'll talk to us a lot about their upcoming trip to the Dominican Republic, where they're partnering with Parlay for the Oceans and doing a massive cleanup there with uh, a couple of uh, a few MLB players, actually, that are going down and uh, a bunch of media and some uh, volunteers as well. Uh, you can find out about opportunities like this just by going to their website, playersfortheplanet.org, uh, or following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, following Chris. Uh, they have a lot of really interesting opportunities, but also they work with a number of players. So there could be you know, a favorite player from your team in your city that's doing an awesome initiative. Maybe it's recycling electronics or you know, going and picking up trash in a park or in a stream. And Players for the Planet is really awesome because they give those athletes the opportunity to uh, create their own initiatives under their umbrella. So uh, without further ado, I will turn it over to Chris uh, to talk to you guys about Players for the Planet. I will say we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, We can be found at Big League Phil on Twitter, at Big League Philanthropist on Instagram. And if you want to email us, just email bigleaguephilanthropist at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Danielle Berman underscore and on Instagram at Danielle E. Berman. So please reach out to me, reach out to the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know who we should be talking to next. Uh, and let us know what you think about this interview. Um, again, I'm going to, can I circle back? Please, please, please support our past guests. Follow them on social media. Follow their organizations. Check out their sites to see what holiday initiatives they have going on. And I know we missed Giving Tuesday earlier this week, but this is a great opportunity for our 
fans and followers of the show to support those awesome initiatives and those awesome projects on Giving Tuesday. Um, I know we did donate personally from our bank account to each of those organizations because we've had such great, great experiences working with them. So without further ado, please enjoy Chris Dickerson and Players for the Planet. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Big League Philanthropist podcast. Today, we have Chris Dickerson joining us to talk about his work with Players for the Planet. Chris played pro baseball for six plus years for a few different teams. uh, And he can correct me if I get any wrong or miss any, but Reds, Brewers, Yankees, Orioles, Indians. I think I got all of them. (laughs) Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. Uh, But more importantly, in 2007, uh, I think just prior to to getting in the Major League Baseball, Chris co-founded Players for the Planet with a fellow player, Jack Castle. And since then, they've brought on a lot of athletes uh, to support their cause. So, Chris, first off, thanks for coming on. And we're really excited to learn more about Players for the Planet. Thanks. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's let's start at the beginning. Um, you grew up out in, in LA. Did you always think baseball was was where you were going and what you wanted to do? Uh, no, it was the complete opposite, actually. Um, I always say that baseball won by default. Um, I grew up um, I grew up playing baseball, but I grew up playing baseball just to hang out with my friends and just because it's something that everybody did in the springtime. Um, and I just happened to be good at it. So it was, so it was fun, but you know, my two major sports were football and soccer and those were my passions. And, um, it wasn't until I started having, um, issues with my knee and I had major knee surgery in high school that I had to kind of, um, you know, reassess what I really wanted to move forward with football being the most difficult one to, you know, try to traverse, especially with, you know, some of the consequences, um, so, you know, young in my career, when I was probably like 12, I was, it was recommended that I take a year off of soccer mm-hmm. and me just being, you know, doing what I do is like, I have to be doing something. So I actually, you know, this was like 1993, 1994 when um, Mighty Ducks was at the, you know, at the height of its power. And so right. I started to play hot. I started playing hockey. So for like the next four years I started playing, I played hockey. So I've been all over the map, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, and um, you know, it wasn't until my junior year of high school where I really felt like I was developing into um, my talent. Well, physically, I was developing into a pretty good baseball player. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough to, to, to stick with it for long enough. Yeah. So you actually had kind of an interesting move into the pros because you were drafted. I think you think were drafted twice, but the first time you ended up going to school. So you went to the University of Nevada. What, what was that decision process? Uh, having that? a mom who has two degrees. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, having a mom that has, you know, has two degrees and, you know, um, who thoroughly enjoyed her college experience. Um, you know, everybody in my family went to college, fortunately. So um, they understood the, A, the importance of it, but two, just the, I think just the lessons that you learn. Um, and more importantly is just having a backup plan. So that was really stressed um, very young. Um, so, you know, I went to school, I got drafted uh, the same day that we lost our high school championship at Dodger Stadium. And um, I got drafted by the Yankees and was just really unprepared to uh, mentally to, um, to be a professional athlete at 18 years old. And, um, you know, number two, like looking back at it, I never knew how much money the Yankees had. So, you know, 
coming out of high school, even if you're a 30th rounder, it probably would have been a pretty significant payday. Right. Um, but still, you know, not enough to, you know, considering my medical history, you know, probably not enough. So I went to school and, you know, got my education. Was it weird being in school? Like, were there ever days where you were like, man, I'm in class and right now I could be playing baseball? Like, was you that ever right? No, but that's the thing. We play, you know, we play, we play baseball every day. So well, that's the thing about being a student athlete. It's like, there's, there's no days off. I mean, if you're not at the gym or if you're not doing a shoot around or you have like, you know, off season workouts, fall workouts, you have fall baseball. Um, and then you get your holiday break. And even that you're right back there, you know, right after new year. So, yeah. um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a terrific student in high school, but, um, once I got to college and had the, some of the facilities and, you know, shockingly being on your own and having those particular facilities to support your, your academics, um, I really flourished as a student. And, most importantly, it's kind of you, you know, I'm sure you've seen this is that kind of this overall trend is like you can graduate with a degree, but it's very, very little has to do with what you're going to end up doing, you know, um, what the industry you're going to get into. So similar, it was like you get to college and it's like, you know, there's a class list that's there's 500 classes available. You're like, my gosh, I can actually choose what I want to learn and yeah. really indulge in some of these classes. And so that was it for me. And I'm my mom being an executive at Nissan, I, you know, I was all about the business and marketing. Um, and then I did my TV broadcasting and journalism class classes. So I, I definitely excelled um, at school. Yeah. And did you, were you already interested in the environment or was that something that came along later? No, I, I already was. My dad was a, uh, my dad was a recycling freak. My mom. Uh, Growing up. <laughs> um, so my dad put together like a makeshift recycling system at home. And this was before, this was even before California had inundated the colored trash cans. So oh, you wow. have green for, you know, compost and, you know, leaves and, you know, trimmings and whatever. And then you had black for regular trash, blue for recyclables, and then yellow, a yellow bin for old newspapers. And so my dad had, we had the, the yellow bin and then we had you know, a thing in the kitchen for all the glass, glass and plastic, all the, you know, regular trash, and then, you know, et cetera. And then the gardeners did whatever they did, but before that. So that's kind of how I, how I came across it. Um, but then as I got older, um, you know, playing sports outdoors and having kids not show up to practice because of smog levels, especially here in LA. Um, and that's, you know, on numerous different levels, um, as you've seen in, you know, the recent years with what we've been going through with the fires and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's been, de it's devastating for air quality mm -hmm. and for activities outdoors. Um, so I thought that was, I was always, you know, kind of keen and aware of what was happening. Um, and then again, as you get older, um, you know, I start you know, going to the beach and surfing and stuff like that. And then kind of seeing the, the. Um, the consequences of not being responsible about, you know, some of the toxic runoff from nearby developments or just, you know, in general with the amount of cars and oil and pollutants that get washed down to the ocean, how it can make you really sick. So very young age, I had to kind of, um, you know, navigate some of these, you know, some of these um, environmental issues. Um, so, you know, I've always been aware of them. And, you know, to tell you the truth, it wasn't until 2007 when I was um, homesick um, during New Year's that I watched, and that was 2007 after the Arizona Fall League that I watched um, An Inconvenient Truth. Mm -hmm. And that did it, and that's what did it for me. And it's funny because getting off the phone with Brent, 
Suter, um, that's what did it for him as well, is after watching that, that kind of spurred a whole new interest and a whole new level of activism. Um, so yeah, so 2007, I carried that with me and just started re reading up and doing a, a lot of research. And then it wasn't until 2008 um, that I, you know, did the first initiative in the clubhouse, you know, before I got called up with the reusable water bottles. Yeah. So you just mentioned that's kind of how you got started. Um, how did, how did you, you know, think about launching this and, and when you were, you know, joining the, the MLB, was that a factor in why you decided to start it? Was being an athlete a reason to say, hey, I should, I should do this. Like I have this platform, I have these people around me. Or was it really like, no matter what I do, I'm going to do this? No, a million percent, basically everything. Yeah, I mean, that is the check. That was the checklist. Um, just starting something on my own. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a foot down. I'm going to try to make a difference. Um, you know, even if it's just a small little thing, let me get 50, 50 bottles and see how much plastic we can cut down on for, for the season. And then what transpired after that is at ESPN.com, uh, MLB.com, and a bunch of other sports publications um, got a hold of the story. Um, and then when I got to Cincinnati, I got called up. And, you know, my first game in Cincinnati, people had like these fan club signs with a recycling symbol. And so that kind of spurred, um, you know, that's kind of when the light bulb went off is that this is something that people are aware of, that people are trying to find solutions and people admired the, you know, the effort and what, you know, it is what I was trying to do. And then more importantly is like, okay, now I'm a major leaguer. I have a, you know, I have a platform now and I can, you know, kind of, I can use this to inspire sports fans and young, young kids to, to, to make the change. And so that's how, that's how, that was the thinking behind it. And then that off season, I, Jack Castle, who I've known, you know, him and his family and his brother since, since we were kids growing up in, in the same area, reached out to me. He was like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Let me know if there's, if I can help in any way. And that's how, that's how we got started in 2000, the off season of 2008. Yeah. And so you talked about like why the environment is important to you and why you got interested what has the growth been like since 2008? It's been, you know, 11 years. Now you guys are doing initiatives in the Dominican Republic. You've got dozens of players involved um, from different teams across the country. What, what is Players to the Planet about now? Has it changed over the years? Like, what, what are you guys focused on? Yeah, it's changed significantly over the years simply because the fact, and I think there's two factors, is that in 2008, going green was, you know, quote unquote, going green was just basically as a hot word. And it was just something to kind of make people feel better is almost like a kind of a consumerism like campaign just to, you know, kind of ease the guilt or just try to like do their part, which was great, but it didn't really it didn't do anything. I mean, if you look, if you look at the facts, I mean, a lot of, you know, consumer in packaging and waste continue to grow exponentially over that time. So, you know, while at the same time, you know, people are struggling to a, adopt sustainable technologies and you know really it was just kind of a you know it was a battle between you know industry um kind of you know industry standards and trying to find ways to make um you know sustainable technologies more productive and more importantly more cost effective to where they're you know mass appealing to, to you know the, the the to the masses and to the general public but um you know, it was just like, it was just a cool thing to do for, for a long time. And it wasn't probably till um, five or six years ago um, that people really started to take notice of how, how 
you know, how badly, how screwed up, um, you know, the planet is right now. Right. And I think, you know, climate change has always been, it's always been a conversation, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate that it's just kind of been buried um, for so many years. And, you know, I think it takes, and it's unfortunate, as you've seen, that it takes catastrophe for people to really pay attention. And in 2010, 2012, with the, you know, the hurricanes and, um, you know, 2006 with Katrina and the significant in increase in these crazy weather patterns and storms brought the conversation back to light. Um, and, you know, we never really wanted to make players for the planet about climate change. The fact of the matter is that we use entirely too much waste. Mm -hmm. And as we've seen, you know, going down the Dominican Republic and having these videos from around the world surface about, you know, beach whales and, you know, turtles and the massive bi biodiversity loss, um, you know, that's just a fraction of what's really going on. Um, that's all generated by, by, by simply just by our, our inability to throw away our crap, mm -hmm. you know, frankly. And um, a lot of that, the big battle again, you know, has been single use plastics. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of come full circle. I will say that, that this started out trying to cut down on plastic in sports. And here we are, you know, 11 years later, um, really combating a severe, a very severe issue, you know, that's, that's happening, that's affecting, um, that's affecting the globe. Um, and more importantly, it's just, you know, it's a handful of really beautiful places that we often use, you know, as tourist attractions, but it is consuming um, a lot of these environments um, with the amount of waste that's being produced and it's washing up everywhere. So, um, you know, so doing the Dominican and then having the e-waste events in Cincinnati was a pretty significant move for us. We started those um, our second year in 2009 where we just had this idea we're like you know let's do an event and see how people respond to bring out their old electronics and stuff yeah. like that and so that was one of my favorite events that we ever did just number one because you know it was an incredible response but number two is just the amount of stuff that people had is really eye-opening um number one the amount of stuff that people have number two is the is the not is the lack of knowledge on knowing what to do with it and it's not necessarily their fault. It's, you know, it's an industry, you know, it's an industry responsibility to help people facilitate, you know, to facilitate some of these return um, and um, disposable uh, pro disposal programs. And so, you know, these people have computers and hard drives and record players, DVD players, VCRs, and, you know, old cell phones and chargers. And it was just crazy the amount of stuff that people brought out. So within our, our first year, we did like 225,000 pounds. Wow. And in the seven years that we did these events, we recycled a mil over a million and a half pounds of uh, e-waste that, you know, that would have, that would be diverted um, from a landfill. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where, and again, it's one of those things where it's because of the severity of what we're, what's going on right now that we've had to branch out and address um, additional issues. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, right now just, we're kind of just ramping up for December 6th in the cleanup in, in the DR and having spent time down there and then seeing, you know, seeing it firsthand, I know that that's, uh, it's, it's, it, the pictures don't do the problem justice, I guess, if that's right. Um, you know, I, I took Slade, who has come on board as the president in the last couple months, and I just remember seeing his face last month or two months ago when we were down there, and it was just like, you know, somebody just shot his dog, so. Mm. 
um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a full circle and it's just like the circle of athletes that have come on as, you know, guys have come on board and kind of phased out, they stopped playing, but more importantly, what I've noticed the last, just within the last six months is the emails that I get from kids that you're, you know, in, you know, in the middle of their careers, just, you know, newly drafted. There's a different narrative in which the, these players speak of. Um, as far as like really being, you know, active and studying environmental science in college and, um, you know, their personal stories on why they want to get involved with us is really, it's really amazing to hear the response, but also it's frightening to know that this is the generation that, that will be left this, the, the burden of, of these issues. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when athletes and, and young people are reaching out to you, part of your mission is using sport to inspire them to get involved. Like why, why was that such an important part of what you were doing? And why do you think sport is such a great tool for that? I mean, not only just because of the reach of sports, but sports brings everybody together, which essentially is a common goal is to unite and put your differences behind you to help, you know, to have a singular focus on helping your team win and enjoying the game and your hometown team. Um, and, you know, number, number two is that, um, you know, that athletes do have great weight and great weight um, as far as like inspiring young kids, um, you know, and after all this is, you know, we live in a celebrity driven society where, you know, people follow along with, you know, their heroes and people of influence, which is good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, it's terrible if you watch the Kardashians. <laughs> 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 right. worst thing to ever happen to pop culture ever <laughs> in the history of human um but right. we, won't get in, we won't get into that i was gonna say that's a separate podcast but maybe it's a, whole, it's a totally separate podcast yeah. don't <laughs> open up that don't open up that can of worms yeah <laughs> um, but yeah having you know having the influence of of athletes that can be able to um you know have so many eyes on them and to to walk to talk the talk and walk the walk and that's what you know i wanted to have and that's those are the guys that i wanted to have on board is that guys that have um implemented their own initiatives within their own household whether they drive you know electric cars they have solar panels they you know they recycle or, you know, guys like Brent who are very passionate about, um, you know, um, ecology and um, nature conservancy and stuff like that. So it's been, you know, it's been, a, you know, it's been a cycle about, you know, was regarding, you know, the guy's interests and we're like, okay, cool. And a lot of them just came on board just because they're buddies and they support the idea. But now we have guys on board who are really going to get out and get their hands dirty, which is really exciting. Now, do you help them manage, like, let's say someone is like, hey, I want to start an e-waste, you know, you know, um, return in my city. Like, do you guys give them, you know, kind of. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's funny that you just, it's funny you just said, you just said that because I literally, the last thing that I did before I got on with you and before my computer died was send out an email about a local ambassador program that can feature people that are doing th great things in their own communities. Um, sure. so we had an email that a, a, a high school coach and a college and a high school coach wrote to me two days ago saying that they you know, they're, they're softball coaches and they have 25 plus teams, but you know, they would like to find a ways to support their own communities and to support, you know, not only the present 20 teams, but the teams that, you know, in colleges that the, that their girls go on to play for, mm -hmm. um, as far as like, you know, trying to, you know, 
put in an initiative, whether it's reducing our amount of trash or our amount of plastic, like how can we help, you know, facilitate what you guys stand for. And I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. Um, so, you know, helping facilitate those type of ambassadors to coming out and representing, you know, as, um, you know, um, advocates of players for the planet for any, you know, event that we may do in a big league city, but more importantly, what we've seen with these guys that have come on board, like Brent Suter, who is heading the urban ecology program in Milwaukee, um, is developing a program for him that we can find that we can develop spaces throughout the country, especially in youth fields where there, you know, our community gardens, you know, tree planting types of, you know, events that are tied in with the stadium and the local fields to educate um, local youth and underserved communities about the new, you know, the proper nutrition and fruits and vegetables and, um, you know, learning about the ROI on trees and like carbon sequestration and stuff like that. So that, you know, that is an arm in itself is having Brent being the advocate and the head of that. And then having some, you know, one of our guys who's heavy into gaming be, you know, the face of the e-waste events that we can, you know, the e-waste events, you know, that we can raise money through esports and tying that together. And then having Nelson, um, Nelson Cruz and Robbie Cano be the faces of the, you know, the plastic crisis in the Dominican Republic. So, and then, you know, so it's, you know, it's been great for these guys to have their own platforms to speak out in conjunction with with our organization and to have guys who have stepped up to the plate to kind of head and be the leaders of these initiatives that were that were rolling out for 2019-2020. We'll be right back to our interview with Chris after the short break. And so you talked about December 6th, you have the big cleanup in the DR. Can you tell us a little bit about that specifically? And if people are interested in learning more about that, like, is there opportunities to get involved, you know, maybe from where they are or in other initiatives around the country with what you're doing? Yeah, you guys, everybody is more than welcome to fly down to the Dominican. <laughs> um, right. I don't know if everyone's going to get on a plane, but you know. Yeah, it's crazy because um, I tell you what, like that kind of, that the cleanup last year with with parlay for the oceans kind of really put us back on the map mm -hmm. um you know it was again it was like one of those unfortunate situations where you know there's you look up at cnn and like there's this plastic wave video and i'm like jesus christ what dude what is going on and i was just blown away and i was just remember just being just sickened to what i was watching you know on the news and um, I just, I've never seen anything like it. And it was just, it was just a month after, it was just a month after World Oceans Week with Parlay. Um, I was, I attended as a guest of theirs, um, which was really cool. And then this came, then this happened. And I'm like, listen, I've been in the Dominican Republic. My friends are, I have friends, you know, players, some of my favorite teammates of all time, you know, are, are Dominican and this has to be something that we have to address. And I would really like to get some guys on board um, to go down there and help and aid in a, in a cleanup with you guys. And we had, you know, we had five or six guys come out and we had um, uh, uh, volunteer, not volunteers. We had basically, it was like the almost the entire uh, New York Yankees Dominican Academy and the Oakland A's Academy come out. And so they each brought out 50, like 40 kids each. Wow along with the the parlay volunteers and so we were out on these these two beaches um 
you know, cleaning up and it was just like a, it was an, it was just an incredible sight. Just, I mean, the amount of, the amount of plastic and trash that is washed up. But number two is just to see everybody coming together to, to kind of, to, to figure out a solution and to bring awareness to what was going on in this beautiful country. And so, you know, it's important for people, you know, like this for the Robbie Cano's and for the Nelson Cruz's to get involved because, you know, they're, especially in a, in a country where baseball is, is king. Like that is, it's, you know, it is their soccer in Brazil. It is, um, you know, it's their, it's the, you know, it's like, it's almost like a religion. So for people to come out and to, to get involved with that cost, it only spurred on more interest from younger, from younger people, especially in local communities who reached out and younger players that have got on board that have gotten really interested in it. So um, that was a great success. And then having, you know, the media and then that spurred on from there and then, you know, having Robbie do the, the media and being out there being so involved. And then when we got onto MLB network um, to kind of recap and show what, you know, what we did and what this, what the situation is down there, that kind of really um, breathed life back into, um, you know, what we were, what we were trying to do. And then it also, strangely enough, offset the course of what we originally, you know, we would usually do, which is, you know, getting back into e-waste and, you know, providing reusable water bottles to cut down to major league clubhouses and players to cut down on plastic. And now, it goes into this international to acknowledge this international pro problem, but to, you know, facilitating to get, you know, the, the, the greatest athletes in the country to go out and to support it was a, was a huge deal. And so going from, you know, eight months later to our second one, we have 25 guys committed hmm. um, for the cleanup. And, you know, we have people, you know, local, local, locals reaching out to seeing how they can get involved, um, you know, on a daily basis. So, it's been, it's been really interesting. Um, and so, you know, we started a, you know, we, we launched our, our, our new brand, our new logo and everything on the 4th of November and in conjunction with the announcement of this second cleanup. And so, um, so we started a new Facebook page where there's a sign, where there's a sign up sheet for anybody that, you know, a, a wants to donate to help you know, help, um, you know, help, the, this cause and these reoccurring trips that we'll be making mm -hmm. down the Dominican, or you can actually sign up to go down to the Dominican, which we've had a pretty amazing response. So we have wow. 20 people coming from the States um, down to the Dominican, which is super That's sick. I'm really That's excited. Really cool. so, um, so we have five, so we have, we have four American players coming and then we have some, you know, players from the planet staff members in a, in a camera crew. And then I think Bleacher Report, We'll be down there covering uh, the cleanup as well. So this is like a, it's a it's a big deal this year, and I'm yeah. I'm just really I'm really excited. So, um, and this is something that we want to move forward with because you know the fact of the matter is is that you know 60% of their GDP relies on tourism, um, tourism and agriculture. And so if you know if the um, you know if nobody comes wants to come because this continuing flood of plastic and trash keeps it, you know, um, still persists, it's going to be very hard for, to get people to go down there. So, um, you know, this is something that we're going to try to work into with the Dominican summer league and, you know, major league baseball representatives of the, in the Dominican Republic to continue these and to start to do them twice a month where we can really start to get some of the Academy kids, um, involved and, you know, number one, that just kind of builds character for them. But when they come to the States and play, um, affiliated ball that, you know, they're going to have to go out and do public appearances and try and, you know, try to, you know, facilitate because a lot of these teams 
you know, that's what it's about is getting these players out to do, um, you know, charitable work. So, um, you know, it should be really interesting. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of where we're going to devote a lot of the, the funds to is, is trying to set up these, um, to set up these cleanups. And then more importantly, um, another initiative that we're working on is Plastic Bank, which actually now will give, um, provides, <clears throat> gives incentive for a motivated workforce to take this plastic because the trash system down there is so informal that it now gives them an incentive to come and take their trash to recycling to these plastic bank, what hopefully will be players from the plant recycling um, sites and where they can actually get paid through a digital currency where they can use it for, um, you know, food, you know, food, clothing, medicine at local retailers, or they can just get paid, you know, in us dollars, but you know, five to $7 down there is a, is a, you know, it's a huge increase in weekly wage. So Sure. We're really excited about that as well. So it's not about just, you know, just being like, like the trash picker uppers down there, but it's more about the ultimate goal, goal is changing behavior and how the infrastructure is, is, is arranged in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. That, I mean, that's incredible. And my, my next question is, is really basic. How did you figure out how to get this going, get this moving? I mean, I assume you're not an expert in nonprofits and building up a company. So like what resources did you have to rely on? How did you kind of make this work and, and grow it? So um, yeah, <laughs> it was just, uh, it was just Jack and I, it was yeah. Jack and I, and we were still both playing where like I was at the beginning of my career. Jack was also at the beginning of his career or he was probably like two or three years in. Mm hmm and it was like okay what do we do um i don't know i think we well, obviously we have to start a website and i just happened to know a guy who owned a tech company and he basically volunteered one of his developers time to create this website and then it was just about player outreach hey we're starting this um you know do you want to get involved okay great um and then it was like okay how do we okay this has to be a 501c3 okay legal zoom Exactly. So we filed, so we filed, we filed, filed for nonprofit status on LegalZoom. There was, you know, five months till that went through. And then, you know, we had, we created this logo and Jack, you know, Jack and I went back and forth about the logo and then we're like, okay, now we have to get that copyrighted. Okay. <laughs> so we sent that off for copyright. And so the original name was actually called We Play Green. Okay. And we, um, so shortly after probably like a year a year after we got a cease and desist letter from the Houston Astros because okay. they had already, they had, they had filed six weeks earlier for a play green campaign involving waste management um, at the Houston Astros stadium. So oh. we ended up changing it to players for the planet. Um, and so, you know, really there's still, you know, there's still, there's so much. And especially since it's, it's grown so fast just within like the last probably six months. I say probably since we did the first cleanup and, um, you know, Jack is no longer, he is now moved on to, um, other things. And so he just didn't have the time. So, you know, when I got done, it was basically, you know, it became a full-time, a full-time job. So I had to learn quick, but you know, I think it's just one of those things, like I, I've always been interested in, in, in business and what facilitates, you know, the, you know, whether it's the marketing aspect operations, um, and then putting a, a team together or basically just learning the skills yourself. So it's been, it's been a learning experience. It's been, um, 
accelerated the last year and a half. Um, it's all, it's always been something that, you know, I I've read up on. So Jack is a super smart guy. Like he ended up going to SC and getting his MBA. So, you know, okay. we kind of figured, we figured it out and you know, my, <clears throat> my, um, my shelves as a kid were like old marketing and public relations textbook communications textbooks for my mom. So it's like one of those things where it finally paid off. I just, I always read this stuff because I was interested and now I actually got to, you know, actually infuse what I've learned, um, you know, just on my own in my own free time and, you know, through, through classes and college to get this thing running. And we, I've also had some great mentors, um, Scott Jenkins, um, from the green sports Alliance, um, the NRDC, Alan, Alan Hershwitz, um, Tim Sexton, um, so I've had some very, very, um, some great mentors. I mean, like the godfathers of green sports, um, yeah. really kind of take very kindly to our operation and what are in my efforts. So, um, so to answer that question, yeah, I mean, it makes, you know, it takes a, what are the, what's that saying? It takes, it takes a, a village, it right? takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a village, but, um, <laughs> you know, this, I, I still feel like it's in its infancy mm -hmm. and, you know, just what we have coming up with, you know, the cleanup and then launching 10 e-waste events on earth day and then doing an e-sports fundraiser and then, you know, having, you know, getting with the nature conservancy. And then most importantly, you know, building this zero, zero waste little league field, which is like the wow. crown jewel of everything that we've ever thought of like since day one and how to facilitate green sustainable technologies into youth fields while offering an educational component um with it so super excited about that but like you know like you said like to in order to to, to facilitate and to stretch some of these initiatives it takes a lot of uh it takes a lot of research and reading yeah. um you know how to make these things go and how to make them successful so um it's a very, it's an incredibly busy time. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I'm, that I'm not overwhelmed right now. <laughs> um, but I, but just like the response and like I told you with those emails that you do get, that kind of, that's what keeps you going. Yeah. Um, is seeing the response and seeing people's reaction um, to what we're trying to do and what the, what our ultimate goal is. I think that's what keeps pushing keeps pushing. And, and more importantly, I think, you know, you've seen it too, is every week there's something going on around the planet that you're just like, holy shit. Like, mm -hmm. wow, how did we get here? Um, which is unfortunate because this could have, I feel like a lot of these could have been solved. Like when right around the time when we, when we started this, you know, I kind of knew the implications um, very early in, you know, doing the research and like leading up to starting the organization to where exactly we were at. And if more importantly, where, if, where we would be, if we did not change within the next 10, 15 years, you know, and now we're here and people are just like, okay, this is what we're going to be left with. And you see what, you know, with Greta Thornburg and what she's done uh, now, it takes a 16 year old kid to, um, to ignite like this, you know, this revolution basically. So, you know, there's a demand for it. It's just a question of like, if, if we're too far past, um, you know, that point of, reconciliation with you know yeah. with uh with the earth so you know it's crazy but we don't go down that road because it's kind of depressing <laughs> <laughs> well it's yeah, a good it's thing depressing, that we like, have... it's depressing because it's like well 
and that, I think that's a fine line too, is, you mm-hmm. know, you have to be optimistic, most importantly. Well, and anyway. I think the work that you guys are doing is hopefully inspiring younger people and even older people to say, hey, you know, we should, we need to do something, even if it's small, start somewhere. So it's, that's a really great, you know, opportunity to get involved even locally with some of their favorite athletes and things like that. So. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, this generation, they get it. Yeah. Um, they understand what, what the implications are for them when they're 30 years old and they have, you know, they have kids and what's going to be left behind. So, um, yeah, it's a weird time. And then, you know, going to world oceans week and like hearing, you know, basically hearing the truth that we don't hear in the news. Um, that is, again, that's something that definitely keeps, um, that keeps me going and keeps everybody that's involved going. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's an inter it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it really is. So it's, it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like taking on any kind of, I mean, starting a nonprofit is starting a business and, and to be able to grow it and sustain it like you've done is definitely takes a lot of, a lot of hard work and uh, willingness to learn and be open to, to learning new things all the time. So that's awesome. And I know we're, we're kind of coming to the end of time here. So just a couple more questions to close it out. Oh, you talked about limit on here. <laughs> well, I just want to be respectful for, of uh, your time here. So, uh, but um, yeah, just to kind of close it out, you had talked about getting athletes involved and why that's important. And you've seen kind of that response not only just in players to the planet, but I'm sure just in athletes kind of engaging in the community, wherever they're passionate about, you know, whatever cause they're passionate about. Why do you think it's important for athletes to continue to do that? And why are we seeing this kind of new wave of the socially minded athlete kind of coming into pop culture and and kind of the news now? Um, I I think because people just, they understand the plot, they understand the platform, especially more now than, than any time in the history, you know, in the history of humankind of, that we've have, that we have these digital technologies that help purvey these messages on a, you know, on a much wider scale. Um, so I think, and that is one of the, that's one of the, the fortunate things and the great things about um, social media is that it gives, um, you know, an exponential reach to interact and to associate with um, people, you know, like-minded people or to, you know, express concerns or, you know, to, you know, to get into activism because you have this plot, you have these digital platforms that, that you can use. So I think that's, that's where we've seen it. And, you know, because the media has become so fractured where it's not just like, it's not just a Fox, it's not just an ESPN, but it's now it's a Bleacher Report. Now it's a, you know, it's a Fox Sports West. It's a this and it's a that. So there's that more media outlets to, to amplify that message along with your social media channels. And so I think people are seeing the value in, um, you know, speaking up on a on a cause and then um using their using their channels appropriately to get that message out yeah yeah and and what does you've been in the field of philanthropy for a long time what does the word philanthropist mean to you in terms of you know the work that you're doing and just the industry in general yeah i think one of the i think one of the connotations when you talk about philanthropy is like you just give money but i don't think that necessarily is what it's about i think it's giving your time your time and your effort um and i think there's different there's different levels to it and you know when you go to these you know you go to these events and you know you're showing support like that in itself just by having a presence and supporting something like that is a gift of philanthropy is offering someone's time um for that particular cause and it's not necessarily always about always about money um 
So, you know, that's, you know, that's my take. So it's not, you know, just having like Robbie and some of these guys come out, you know, come and support. I think that's, you know, that in itself is giving, giving a piece of yourself to support a cause. It's not necessarily always have to be monetary. Um, but to have, you know, to have that participation, um, is, is very big. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to kind of close it out, just giving people a much better idea of, of what's coming down the road, obviously the big cleanup in the Dominican and some of the big projects you talked about, but what's, what are you most excited for with Players to the Planet and where it's going and, and how can people support what you're doing? Um, I'm most, I'm most excited just, um, number one, the enthusiasm, um, of the, of the Dominican players. I think that, um, the guys that went last year that participated um, have got to see firsthand what we're dealing with, what they're dealing with and what the status is of, you know, this, this plastic crisis in, in the Dominican. And they've, they've gone on to communicate this message to other guys to where, you know, we get more and more messages of, you know, guys that want to get involved, which is awesome. Like personally, that's all, that's all I can ask for is, to have these guys, these ambassadors step up and then through word of mouth and just to bring awareness to what we're trying to do. And then just for, that's all I want people to, you know, that's all I want is to people to see, to use our platforms to people to see what's going on is to, mm -hmm. to show otherwise that, that, that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't be able to see or wouldn't have the knowledge to, 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 to be involved or to change their behavior. Um, and so to have the, all these guys come on board is really exciting. So I'm excited about um, December 6th and then I'm incredibly excited about getting back to the e-waste um, for Earth Day, um, you know, University of Charlotte, Carolina Panthers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and hopefully we can get the Indians and Arizona Diamondbacks, um, you know, to all, you know, get these events done because they've you know, being in Cincinnati, it's become like a part of the fabric of the community up there as far as the people's involvement and having the opportunity and basically receiving this knowledge to know what to do with their, you know, discarded electronics. That's making, that's making a change as far as getting participation, but more so people know how to change their behavior. So I'm excited about that. But again, back to the field, the zero waste field with MLB and the Green Sports Alliance and getting parlay for the oceans. Um, involved in that as well. I'm really, really excited about that because I think that is something that is going to revolutionize how um, youth fields are built and how we can tie in um, sustainable um, messaging um, with it and to basically combat a, a host of issues, whether it's, um, you know, it's getting, you know, underserved communities, um, you know, availability to fruits, fresh fruits and vegetables and having a place to where you can, you know, teach, you know, these underserved communities and, um, you know, urban youth about the importance of that. And then more importantly, the importance of taking care of the planet, facilitating change um, through and by encompassing these young kids and these little league, you know, kids into a field that is entirely built off of, of, um, you know, sustainable technology and it's a completely zero waste carbon, you know, carbon neutral type of field. There's no, you know, resources, um, natural resources used, mm. you know, the field will be built from reuse or repurposed materials. Like the dugouts will be, um, uh, like shipping containers and then getting swell involved with bottles and be, being a plastic free little league where each participant will get a reusable water bottle and having a refillable water, you know, fountain, in the dugouts and having the scoreboard be powered by solar 
Um, so that's, um, you know, that's what I'm most excited about. And that's gonna, that's a huge project for it. But I think we have the right people on board. And we've had some great um, conversations with Major League Baseball and Paul Hamlin um, last week in New York. So I'm particularly excited about the next steps on that. Awesome. No, that's great. I mean, you guys have really cool things coming down the pipeline. If people want to learn more or, you know, donate or support, uh, is your website the best place for them to go? Yeah, head to the, yeah, head to the website. Um, yeah, head to the website, um, playersfortheplanet.org, or you can find us on Instagram. Um, we're going to be launching, uh, unveiling our new um, shirts today um, for the, the volunteers are going to be wearing in the Dominican. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that GV artwork on Instagram, who is a great Cleveland artist, did the shirts for us, um, our batting, batting cleanup Dominican shirts. Cool. So yeah, you can check us out on Instagram. And then when those get out, go get you, go get you a t-shirt. Yeah. And yeah, rep players for the planet and um, the Dominican. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all the work you're doing. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people, like you said, are now really focused on climate and the impacts that it's having in everyone's lives. So it's great to see you not only working in here, but also encouraging others to get involved and, and be able to impact their own communities. So thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for your time here. And uh, we're, we're excited to see where you guys continue to grow. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. No problem. Have a great one. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode five of the Big League Philanthropist podcast. I hope you loved what Chris was saying and the amazing work that he and Players for the Planet are doing every day. We wish him safe travels to the DR. He's leaving tomorrow and uh, we'll be following social media, uh, both him and Players for the Planet to get updates on their trip. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for your time uh, and thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing and Players for the Planet are doing. So please, again, follow them on social media. Visit playersfortheplanet.org to learn more about how you can be more environmentally friendly and reduce your climate impact uh, just in your everyday life and find out what, uh, which ones of your favorite players are doing awesome work in the community too. Again, please rate and review the podcast. That goes such a long way for us. Share this episode with a friend who is a big baseball fan or who is environmentalist. Uh, and please help us spread the word on the amazing work these athletes are doing. Again, please, please, please uh, send us your thoughts, feedback from the show, uh, who you'd like to see us interview next. And uh, if you have a friend or, or a contact that's doing amazing work in the community, please let us know. Uh, again, you can reach out to us at bigleaguephilanthropist at gmail.com. All right, guys, have a great rest of the week and we'll see you soon with a new episode.